But first, it's, uh, let's get the lowdown from Laura Tingle on what is happening in Canberra politics. In her day job, of course, Laura is the chief political correspondent with 7.30. Laura, there was a bit of... Uh, it got a bit raucous over AUKUS, I understand, <laughs> at the ALP conference. It did, Philip. Uh, the, um, I mean, it was always going to get a bit uh, raucous, uh, over raucous, uh, because a lot of people in the Labor Party really don't like it. Um, and, um, and so there was going to be a, a debate about that, uh, whatever happened. Um, and I think the depressing bit about it really is that uh, the government didn't really do a very good job of um, making the case for AUKUS to the Labor Party faithful. Um, and it was it was just not a really good performance all around, I don't think. Uh, it did, they didn't make the case for uh, what, had, what has happened in the 12 months since uh, they've taken office, or a bit over 12 months. Um, they attacked people who uh, questioned it, um, you know, with words like, you know, suggesting they were appeasers. It was not a really... Uh, not a very sort of high, high uh, sort of uplifting moment for the Labor Party to show that it was interested in proper debate. Well, pragmatism is fair enough, but you have to persuade party members of policies. You do have to be able to persuade members of policies. I mean, you know, people are you know allowed to have differences of opinion and all those sorts of things, but um, you have to be able to at least persuade your own people that uh, you're doing the right thing and. Uh, I don't think the government really did a very good job of doing that. I mean, they've got AUKUS now in the Labor Party platform, uh, so, you know, you know tick, they've, they've achieved that. But I think it really has highlighted not just the debate within the party, but the broader debate within the community about the fact that, you know, this is a massive strategic shift for us. Uh, it might be a really, really good idea, but we don't know anything about it, really. And Well, uh, among you know, the things we don't know are, uh, you know, when the damn things uh, will arrive and what we should do with their nuclear waste. We don't know what we're going to do with the nuclear waste. The Prime Minister told us on 7.30 last week that, uh, that you know, it wasn't anything that was imminent and Defence was going away to look, look at it uh, at, at some stage in the future. Now... You'd remember, Philip, that this debate has gone round and round and round about, you know, 400 times, it feels like, in, even just in the last 25 years. And Nick Minchin, uh, the former coalition minister, uh, was always very hot to trot on finding a nuclear waste dump. And at one stage, people were talking about, you know, actually becoming a nuclear waste dump for other parts of the world. Uh, well, that and, was one of Bob Hawke's ideas, oddly yeah, enough. absolutely. And one of the places that uh, was supposed to... Uh, you know, do this was Woomera and Nick Minchin was quoted in the Financial Review earlier this year saying that he could never get Defence to agree to this because, you know, <laughs> there seemed to be a bit of a stigma attached to uh, a nuclear waste, strangely enough. And, of course, a proposal for uh, a waste dump um, in, on the Air Peninsula was knocked over by the courts a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, it's all, it's all incredibly loose, Philip, and apart from anything else, People are sort of confidently talking at the conference about, you know, th this would all be sort of starting to take shape by 2030, whereas most of the assessments are that if if we really are worried about the Chinese, things could have well and truly happened before 2030. And we're, we're not getting even any sort of cl clarity on what our defence policy is in, in the next few years. Oh, I've spoken to Beijing and they promised to hold back, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> it's know, kind which of is very kind of them. Now, Treasurer Jim... Uh, ahead of the release of the intergenerational report, what did he have to say? 
Uh, well, he's um, basically foreshadowing um, a few things, you know, the usual things like we're getting older, um, which, you know, is a surprise to all of us. Uh, he's essentially saying that there's going to have to be a lot more uh, investment in the care economy and the care workforce. We're not going to have as many children to be looking after us. Um, now, uh, I think whatever ha happens as a result of that, um, you know, he's saying there's difficult budget decisions to be to be taken, which is also something we hear quite a lot about. Um, now, the coalition's coming out and saying, oh, well, obviously they're going to start raising taxes. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily the case, but I think what uh, Jim Chalmers is trying to focus on is um, a more skilled and adaptable workforce, the care economy, uh, the industrial opportunities. Um, so that's he's going to be talking about um, the productivity agenda um, in those areas. He's going to give a major speech to the press club later this week about the intergenerational report when it's officially released. I understand so that the, that uh, looking <coughs> ahead, we'll be spending about well about half our annual budget in forty years' time on the elderly. That's right. So um, that we we'll have to do it very efficiently, Philip. And, uh... <laughs> okay. Now, Jim says they'll. Uh, There'll be all sorts of pressure on the budget. Uh, so where will the cuts come from, Laura? Uh, well, I think it's not entirely Certainly clear, not Philip. from I, submarines. Certainly not from submarines. And um, I, don't, I, I don't know that there's any really obvious place that you can cut any more from, so, which is why everybody's talking about tax, including the Business Council, you know, which is regularly sort of talking about tax reform. Um, and saying that the GST has to be back on the table. It's all got a bit of a feeling of deja vu about it, doesn't it? Deja vu all over again. We're, um, gonna, we're so going to need a raise again with a very big razor, though, aren't we? we well, I, I think... I think the reality is if if the population's old, Philip, um, there's not a lot of cutting you can do in terms of the, the cost of looking after them. But I think what will happen is there's going to be a lot more intergenerational uh, debate about the relative uh, tax breaks that older people have been enjoying uh, in the last 10 to 20 years and prospectively uh, in terms of, for example, the fact that, you know, all of your income if you're a superannuant is uh, tax-free Issues like that are going to become, I think, just politically, you know, dynamite because uh, when you've got younger generations unable to afford houses and, you know, this sort of apparent largesse to older people, um, you know, there's, there's really big grounds for conflict and there, and there are massive dollars involved for the government as well. Now, if there's one organisation that has a voice to Parliament, it is, it is the business community and the Business Council of Australia, as you've pointed out, made its usual plea for lower taxes for business. But what else were they looking for? Uh, well, well I I'm, think for example, I'm thinking they don't want much to happen on industrial relations. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked by that, Philip, but um, yes, that's right. They, they basically think that um, government should be much more efficient than they are um, and that um, they shouldn't tax business as much because it's incredibly, you know... Bad for it's business. incredibly mean of them. <laughs> it's been incredibly bad for business. So um, the B Business Council is just about to go through a bit of a transition of its own. It's long-serving uh, chief executive Jennifer Westercott's going to be leaving. Um, she's been a major advocate for the tax um, agenda during her time in office. Uh, and 
it's been the most sort of consistent argument that uh, the BCA has kept pushing that we need to keep changing our tax bases, that we shouldn't just be looking at the income tax that people and businesses pay. We've got to broaden the tax base out. Um, that's quite an effective uh, and useful thing for the government, really, uh, a lot of the time, because, um, you know, if you have if you have a government, if you have a, a business community sort of to argue against, it gives you some scope to actually move on tax, ironically. But um, I don't think the IR uh, debate's really going to go anywhere, uh, you know, in the short term. And I think it's become a very hard case for the business community to make, given wages have been so poor. LT, the Greens are still hounding the government over uh, housing and rent relief. Uh, they are. They're, they're still um, continuing on. I, I detected a bit of a change of tone, I think, uh, last week from the Greens, Philip. Not not absolutely definitive, but I think you're starting to hear them be not quite so aggressive on the issue of absolutely you know, refusing to move on the, uh, the Housing Future Fund. They were they were sort of uh, hedging their bets a little bit more on that um, in response to the um, National Cabinet meeting on housing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, when Parliament comes back. Was if, any if of that a consequence of what came out of the National Cabinet meeting? Um, look, I think it was in part. Um, it's partly, I think, when you've got all of, the, all of the state governments and the federal government all lining up together and saying, well, this is what we can and can't do, it makes it a lot harder to sort of be prosecuting a case uh, just on the housing um, future fund. You know, there's there's a whole heap of other issues, you know, and without a doubt, the question of what happens to renters isn't really satisfactorily resolved. Uh, but I think there's, there's enough action happening on a range of different fronts now um, that it makes it harder for the Greens to keep uh, prosecuting this case and, and just winning from it. Finally, a few well-chosens on uh, the Treasurer's other problem, i.e. the Petroleum Resource Rent Tax. Ah, yes. So um, the Treasurer is releasing a, um, a, a draft of what he's going to now, well, he's been discussing for some months uh, how he's going to change the Petroleum Resource Rent Tax. You might remember that uh, he sort of dodged the idea of significantly increasing uh, the PRRT um, and has basically just rearranged it so that it will bring forward revenue rather than uh, significantly increase it over time. Thank you, Laura Tingle, Chief Political Correspondent 730. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.